All right, everybody, it's about, what time is it? 1.15, if we want to get started. Um, you probably noticed the bowls of oranges at y'all's table, and as delicious as they look, I politely ask that you refrain from digging in just yet because uh, the, the oranges are part of an interactive activity that we have planned later in this session. Um, so let's go ahead and get started. So my name is Amy Mazarell, and I'll be today's uh, moderator for this session, um, empowering our youngest food citizens, nourishing bodies and minds through responsive eating and family-style dining. Um, I am a branch chief within the USDA Food and Nutrition Service Child Nutrition Programs and joining me as speakers as part of this session is Katie Halas, who is a registered dietitian nutritionist, um, also a nutritionist with the USDA Food Nutrition Service. And here at the front of the room also is Jesse Coffey, um, registered dietitian nutritionist, uh, director of the whole program, whole child program at the Nebraska Department of Education. Um, so let me go over the learning objectives for today's session. By the end of the session today, you should be able to identify two free resources that can be used to train providers or families on responsive feeding and family-style dining. Name three benefits of incorporating responsive feeding practices when using family-style dining and apply responsive feeding and family-style dining strategies when offering meals and snacks to young children. So before I turn this over to our speakers, I just want to give a little bit of background information on the USDA Food Nutrition Service for those of you who are not familiar with the agency. We aim to increase food security, nutrition security, and reduce hunger in partnership with cooperating organizations by providing children and low-income individuals and families access to food, a healthy diet, and nutrition education in a way that supports American agriculture and inspires public confidence. In FNS, we administer several programs that provide healthy food to children, including the National School Lunch Program, the School Breakfast Program, the Child and Adult Care Food Program, at-risk after-school program and the summer food service program and these are collectively known as the child nutrition programs at the food nutrition service so let me talk a little bit about um, fns teen nutrition initiative was an, which is an initiative that supports child nutrition programs by developing and providing nutrition education resources to help children gain knowledge and skills to make healthy food and physical activity choices as part of a healthy lifestyle. We also provide training and technical assistance to child nutrition program operators who prepare and serve healthy meals that are student approved. And we also provide technical resources to support healthy school and childcare environments. So when we are developing these resources for our, our child nutrition programs and the operators, um, I don't know how many of y'all have taken a peek at a federal code of regulations, but it's really complex language that is so difficult to read. So what Team Nutrition does is we take that language and we translate it into actionable resources and tools that our program operators can use and implement in their programs and their organizations. 
So when we're developing these resources, uh, we use innovative ways to communicate information by using things such as pictures and tables and infographics. And we also test materials and gather feedback with the intended target audience of our resources when possible using focus groups, interviews, and field testing. Another part of our team nutrition initiative are the team nutrition training grants. So these play an important role in helping state agencies deliver training and nutrition education to support the child nutrition programs. And so each year, a grant is released that invites the state agencies to apply to this competitive grant. And for the first time this past year, we also offered this grant not only to the state agencies, but also to school food authorities or school districts as well can take part in this grant. Um, each grant year, we have a theme or a topic. So for FY23 this year, our theme is supporting nutrition education for school-aged children, so state agencies would apply, um, requesting funding for a program that would support nutrition education. We've also offered grants on the topics of school nutrition professional readiness and retention, school meal recipe development, innovative state training programs, and the E-STAR training program, which focused on improving um, or enhancing the meal quality of school meals. So I think I got everything. Oh, hold on a second. I lost my notes and my cursor. Let's go the other way. Sorry about that. Um, I just wanted to mention real quick that Jesse Coffey, who is one of our speakers, and you'll just hear from here hear from her in a little bit. She was part of our 2016 Team Nutrition Training Grant, and that one focused on the implementation and evaluation of nutrition education meal service training, and environmental changes in schools or child care sites. And we had 13 state agencies participate in this one. So she's going to share more about her work and findings um, later on in this presentation. But for now, I'm going to turn it over to Katie Halas, who's going to talk a little bit more about family-style meal service. So turn it to you. Thank you, Amy. All right, and before I dive into content, this is um, an hour and a half session if you weren't aware. So please feel free to get up at any moment and stretch your legs, head to the back. It won't bother us one bit. So just wanted to throw that out there. Okay, so today we are focused on understanding family style meal service. So let's first answer that question of what is family style dining. Um, and just a quick note, you're going to hear Jesse and I flip back and forth between the use of family-style dining and family-style meal service. Uh, we are referring to the same thing. We're just using those terms interchangeably throughout. So family-style dining is a widely recommended practice for feeding children. It is recommended in national child care standards, including USDA's Child and Adult Care Food Program and Head Start Performance Standards, among others. And during family-style dining, if you're not familiar with it, um, providers do sit and eat meals together with the children and engage and encourage children to select their own portions and serve themselves. Family-style dining is a type of meal service um, where children can help set the table, again, serve themselves from bowls, plates, and or pitchers on the table, and of course, talk with others at mealtime. Um, 
There are many benefits to serving meals family style. Uh, children can eat without pressure, eating when they feel hungry and stopping when they feel full, practicing their fine motor skills, so strengthening those small muscles in their hands and fingers while learning to serve and feed themselves. It really builds self-esteem and confidence. Um, they have the chance to develop healthy eating behaviors, such as trying new foods and making food choices. Um, it allows them to practice their social and language skills by talking with other children and teachers. And it gives them an opportunity to really get to know other children and, and teachers. Um, eating together can give children a sense of belonging and is really valued by many cultures. Okay, so we have a Slido learning check. If you have not used Slido, um, I have not either. So Jessie here is our <laughs> Slido expert. Um, she's gonna pull it up, but um, if you don't have your phone out already, go ahead and pull it out, or a tablet, if you have a smartphone, because we're gonna scan a QR code on the screen, and if you can't, just go to slido.com, S-L-I-D-O, and enter the code on the screen. And I'm going to show a picture. Uh, stay here, Jesse, because I'm nervous about Slido. <laughs> um, I'm going to show a picture in just a little bit, but I want you to answer this question, and you could, you're going to be able to type it into Slido, hopefully. Do you guys have that up, or does anybody having any issues? You see this question? That's it. Yay! Yes. Okay. So our question is, and again, I'm going to show the picture in just a minute. What aspects of family-style meal service do you see in this picture? Go ahead, take a few seconds. And just look up if you're done. Awesome. Okay, can we flip to the answers and see what we have here? Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Awesome. All right, so you guys can see these coming in here, passing around the food, developing fine motor skills, serving themselves, social interaction, eating together, social development, sharing, interaction, self-serving. Small tongs, yes, thank you. So part of family meal service, uh, some operators do purchase child size equipment which can help um, children be successful at meal time. So I'm glad somebody picked up on that. Um, yes, great, I think you guys hit all of them, so thank you. Keep those phones handy as we all tend to do anyway because um, we're gonna be using Slido throughout this presentation for additional activities among other things. No, you're good. Is it going? Yeah, it's not back on that one. Okay, um, it's not showing up on my. Bear with me. Anyway, so you might be thinking that all sounds lovely and great, and all childcare providers are going to want to practice family-style meal service, and many of them do. Um, but we have heard from a few. Um, 
that they have some perceived challenges around family-style meal service. So we're gonna talk about those in just a little bit and what we're doing at USDA's Team Nutrition to try to answer um, and help with some of those challenges. So you can see these, but we can't. <laughs> oh, that's okay, I can, I'll just go through that. Though. Okay, okay, thank you. So it's, not, it's on uh, audience, okay. Oh, but if I advance, it's not going. James, are you with us? Can you help us um, extend the presentation? We are not seeing it in presenter mode. Sorry for the excitement so early on. Um, but so I'm going to keep going. So <laughs> some of the audience feedback that we did receive, um, and these are perceived challenges from childcare providers of um, it's too messy, um, food waste, so children being unwilling to try new foods, and then also wanting to make sure that we're providing the proper portion sizes or requirements to meet CACFP requirements based on the meal pattern. Um, and I'll talk about that in just a little bit as well. Um, but at USDA's Team Nutrition, we are developing a resource um, appropriately named um, Family Style Meal Service with Children in the Child and Adult Care Food Program. It is a mouthful, um, but, oh, thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. You guys got a sneak peek into the... Okay. So like I said, we are developing a resource to kind of address some of these perceived challenges. Um, I do want to mention, though, that due to COVID, we were unable to conduct formative testing. As Amy mentioned, we do try to do that as much as possible, and most of our resources um, go through some form of formative testing. Due to COVID, with this resource, we were unable to, um, but we were able to gather informal feedback from customers um, through email um, and those that provided feedback on webinars. Okay, so the resource that we are developing, and it is coming soon, um, very soon, I'm hopeful. Uh, we have an operator booklet, which, um, and I'll go through in just a little bit, three classroom posters and training slides. Um, so as I mentioned, these resources were developed uh, with in informal feedback gathered, but also um, based on team nutrition resources that were previously developed, and of course, Jesse Coffey's Nebraska resources, which we'll talk about in just a little bit. Um, they were also reviewed by registered dietitian nutritionists, including Jesse here, thank you. And Lauren. And Lauren, thank you. Um, Head Start staff, childcare content specialists, and occupational therapists, and many more. And so let's first take a look at the operator booklet. 
So the operator booklet includes topics such as preparing for family-style meal service, following requirements during family-style meal service, and we touch on food safety and also our child and adult care food program requirements, um, supporting children at mealtime, and then there's also opportunities in the back of the operator booklet where the reader can practice their understanding. Okay, so let's take a closer look at some of the images and content that you might find in the operator booklet. Um, to address family-style dining is just too messy, so one of our perceived challenges we've heard, we did include tips for cutting down on the mess, including a reminder that it will take practice, of course, for children to serve themselves family-style, and it may be messy at first, but the mess is worth the benefits for children, and we offer the reader to try these tips to cut down on the mess, so putting a towel or paper under the children's chairs, teaching children to clean up their mess, and letting children to continue practicing strengthening their skills. I have two young ones at home. I know it's easy to say, let me just do that. Let's just, let's just get this done. Um, but then they're not, then I have to remind myself, they're not able to practice those skills to strengthen them, which then might eventually lead to creating less mess. Okay, so we're gonna do another skill building activity, and this one's gonna be on menu planning, and we're gonna use Slido. My new favorite thing. Okay, hold on. So we're going to talk about um, we're going to talk about menu planning tips. We're going to go through three examples of things that I've heard actually from um, Head Start staff of how they create their menus to allow children to be more successful with specifically scooping and serving themselves. Um, so our first one, oh yay, we got it up. So our first one is spaghetti noodles. So just try, as we're pulling it up, just start thinking about what you might serve instead of spaghetti noodles, because spaghetti noodles, you know, can be long, thin, stringy, stick to the serving spoon. It's very hard to serve yourself, especially if you don't have the dexterity in your hands just yet. So think about that. Um, and it's not showing up on the screen here. Anyway, go to slido.com. We don't have the QR code just yet. Yeah, no. Nope. And the code is, are we ready for it? 2700. Zero, zero, 009. Oh, and it's up. We're going to get the hang of this by the end of the presentation, guys, I promise. All right, and if you have it up, go ahead. If you are menu planning experts in the room, macaroni noodles, ooh, gnocchi, penne pasta. Egg noodles, penne, rotini, bow tie. Well, you guys got it. Awesome. Was that too easy? <laughs> so um, in, in the operator booklet itself, we say macaroni noodles. But I loved all of your examples of smaller. Just, you know, just that simple change can make a huge difference for children at mealtime. All right, thin soups. Can you imagine thin soups with three to five-year-olds and the spillage that might occur? I have a three and a five-year-old, so I'm kind of cringing at that. 
And is that working for you guys? Great. Casseroles, chili, creamy soup, stew, broccoli cream soup, tomato soup. Tomato soup, I feel like could be a little dicey too, but I like where your head's at. Okay, so, excellent, oh, stew. Um, so in the operator booklet, we say chili, and just a friendly reminder to cook beans um, to a softer, um, to, you can pierce it with a fork to avoid the risk of choking, um, but I liked a lot of these answers, so thank you guys for playing along. We have one more. This one might be a no-brainer. Okay, I'm not gonna give a three to five-year-old whole chicken tenderloin. What can I give them? I don't want them to use a knife just yet. Maybe, maybe with more supervision, but chicken nuggets, chicken salad, chicken bites. Oh, I love the choking. Did you see that tenderloin and a half, no larger than a half inch piece? Great, because we want to be mindful of choking hazards for this age group particularly. Excellent, you guys are pros, thank you. So these are the types of tips that you might see in this operator booklet. And we're having fun here, switching back and forth. Oh, awesome, thank you. Oh, and I don't see my notes though, hold on, come back. So, um, so um, another one of our perceived challenges was food waste or children won't try new foods. Um, so we do include information in the operator booklet um, on introducing new foods in different ways. So outside of mealtime, through reading, gardening, and food activities, one at a time so children aren't overwhelmed um, by the number of new foods they might see. Um, serving a new food um, a new food with a food that they like. And then of course in taste testing activities outside of mealtime if the teacher or provider has the resources to do so. Um, so providing an, uh, a taste testing activity outside of mealtime may allow children, especially those with sensory challenges, to try a food with less pressure. Okay. We also remind the reader to be a role model when possible. I know it's easy to sit the kids down and to, you know, attend to like other things that you need to get done because teachers are very busy. Um, but we do encourage them to be a role model and sit down and eat the same foods as the children at mealtime and or have more adventurous eaters sit next to children that need more encouragement. Um, so part of the resource you may have, you may remember, we include a, uh, three classroom posters. One of them is Let's Talk at Mealtime. So we did, um, we do have a call out and a reminder on that. It provides phrases and conversation starters to help operators encourage children to try new foods, address picky eating, um, and support social development at mealtime. And we'll talk about the two other posters in just a second. And then to address the last challenge of providing enough food for each child, um, and this is part of our CACFP requirements, um, we offer information including a sample calculation to ensure they're preparing enough food for each child. Uh, later on, the reader does, again, have that opportunity to practice their understanding um, through fun math problems that we all love. 
so here's some of the information that is provided. Uh, there are two steps to follow when determining the total amount of food to provide during meals and snacks for children from a single age group. Um, an age group in the CACFP uh, might be one through two-year-olds, and then we also have three through five-year-olds for our meal patterns. So step one is to determine the minimum amount of food needed for each child at that meal or snack um, and refer to the meal pattern requirements to identify the minimum portion size needed for each child. And then step two is to multiply the minimum amount of food from step one by the number of children at the meal or snack. So this is a sh shameless plug um, for all of our team nutrition resources, but specifically those on CACFP training tools. Um, this is where we do send our operators to, if they are not aware of our meal pattern requirements, to take a look at our fun, serve tasty and healthy food in the CACFP posters, where they're gonna find those required minimum amounts of meal components to offer to children, not, to, not necessarily to serve, to offer. So that's. Um, a key word that we emphasize in our resource. Um, so again, here's an example. Um, here's step one. So the first step is to determine the minimum amount of food needed for each child at the meal or snack. Um, the minimum amount of fruit needed. Um, so this one, you know, we refer the operator to these posters. That's where they'll find that the fruit needed at lunch for each two-year-old is an eighth a cup that they have to offer, or 0.125. So next up is to multiply that by the number of children um, that are present that day. And so in this example, there's 12 children present that day. They would multiply the 12 children by 0.125 cups of diced, in this example, we're doing diced peaches. Um, so that provider would have to offer 1.5 cups of diced peaches at least, um, at lunch for 12 children. So that's an eighth of a cup times 12. We've heard from some operators that they use measuring cups as serving spoons. Um, they do match the size of the serving spoon to amounts listed in the CACFP meal pattern requirements for each meal component. Um, and so, yep, so it, for example, if the meal pattern calls for an eighth of a cup of fruit, like in the example we just discussed, um, then they'd have the eighth cup measuring cup as their serving spoon. Okay, so let's take a, a closer look at these three classroom posters. Um, so we do have one titled Let's Eat Family Style. We have one for rules for family style meals, and then let's talk at mealtime, um, the one I just mentioned earlier. So Let's Eat Family Style is designed for providers to use with children to explain the steps of family style dining. So one explains to wash their hands, followed by setting the table, passing the food around, serving themselves, eating and talking with, the, with one another, and then cleaning up. Rules for family style meals reminds children to use their, the serving spoon and not their hands, uh, only eating from their own plate, passing with two hands, saying please and thank you, and cleaning up messes. We're, we're hoping this is a nice visual reminder for the children, but also for the teachers to help um, especially introduce family style dining if they haven't already in their classroom. Lastly, we have let's talk at mealtime like I mentioned earlier. Um, it provides phrases and conversation starters to help operators encourage children to try new foods, address picky eating, and support social development at mealtime. 
And lastly, we have our training slides. So these are ready-to-go presentation slides that can be used by state agencies, sponsoring organizations, really anybody um, who is training child care providers or operators, menu planners on family-style meal service. Um, it is designed as an interactive 60-minute training, but can be customized by the trainer to best meet their audience needs and, of course, the time allotted for their training. And then um, to extend the learning to the home environment, we've also added a parent newsletter to our existing Nibbles for Health parent newsletter collection. This one is appropriately titled Serving Meals Family Style and informs the parent that their child care site is practicing family style meal service in the classroom. It includes the benefits to eating meals family style, steps to trying it at home, so how to actually implement that in, at, in their home, ways to support children at mealtime, and then conversation starters that they can use. Um, it, I'm actually pretty excited about it. So you can, <laughs> you can cut out the conversation starters, and the parent or guardian can have the child pick out a conversation starter to, to start that conversation at, that, at dinner or meal. And then as I mentioned, the newsletter on family style meals is part of a larger collection. So if you're not familiar with Team Nutrition's Nibbles for Health newsletters, they are designed for CACFP operators to give to families of three through five-year-olds. They contain information about the, uh, the nutrition and the CACFP meal patterns, including the types of foods served at meals and snacks in childcare. These newsletters are available online in both English and Spanish, and we do have a number of them in print, um, and those are free for anybody participating in our child nutrition programs. Okay, and now I'm gonna turn this over to Jesse to talk about some of the resources and findings they have from their team nutrition training grant in Nebraska. Great, thank you. So, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about how we adapted some of the best practices from eat, um, for our Eat Family Style program at UNL. And we, and like um, was mentioned earlier, um, we had a team nutrition training grant to do that. And so um, we utilized some of the um, resources and, and staffing capacity with that training grant to partner with UNL um, on an existing research project with Dr. Difty Dev, who works in our, uh, at UNL in our child, youth, and family program and um, really the the eat family style program is based on some of her research um, that is born out of responsive feeding and the uh, reggio emilia approach um, to responsive feeding for children so that some of that information can be found there at the qr code um, but really with the eat family style intervention um, that we developed for nebraska and child care centers and and really anyone, um, but it focuses on children ages two to five, um, and we really try to provide resources for families. Those are embedded throughout the program um, because we know that families are the children's first educators, um, and then being able to have them understand and know those responsive feeding practices really sets kids up for a lifetime of healthy eating. Um, and so <clears throat> it's all designed for the child care center, um, and then also will trickle down to um, to parents to include that mindful eating approach. Um, and it really uses an eco ecological approach to focus on those child care providers. Um, it's being adapted for home providers uh, because there's a little bit more challenges with the home, home providers if you think about 
a home provider doesn't have the flexibility to just only serve or work with children age two to five. You know, they have babies and maybe somebody up to 10, and that's a whole different um, scenario. So uh, making sure that we have adapted the materials to make sense for those home providers. Um, and I will get into uh, what that looks like. Um, so the curriculum includes seven interactive online lessons, and each lesson takes about an hour to complete um, for the provider to go through and, and go through the prompts. They have questions, um, so you don't just watch the videos. Uh, if you've taken any online education, that, that's a best practice for then it, it says, you know, what have you learned, and you're applying that knowledge. Um, to the and then what's really awesome about the pro program is that um, so after they watch the online lesson and they learn the information and hopefully retain what they learned, um, they also have a booklet um, that goes with it to help them implement at mealtime with kiddos. Um, and they actually then get a whole week to implement what they learned online. So they, they get to learn it, then they get to practice it, um, and then they get a coach that me meets with them a week later and said, how did that go? How did, how did um, pouring milk work for you this week <laughs> with your four new kids you have in your classroom? And they would say, well, <laughs> um, so, and then the, the, the coaches are UNL Extension staff. They're a part of our early learning collaborative. So they're folks with early learning backgrounds. So they have the expertise and the practical experience to help problem solve through that. And so um, I'm not gonna read them all off right now because I'll be going through them. Um, the, the one through seven, the lessons. Um, but the family engagement, again, is really embedded across the program, um, as well as having its own separate section. So the advantages, um, like Katie mentioned, for childcare providers, it helps childcare um, providers meet childcare standards and recommendations. In Nebraska, um, we, have a, we have an accreditation program called Step Up to Quality that Eat Family Style is a part of, and it also fits in with our Go Knapsack program in Nebraska. So it aligns with several other, other best practices, and it helps those child care providers to kind of uh, be able to advertise that they have these, um, these ad additional accreditations at their site. Um, it really does, once people are in the swing of things, allow for a more pleasant meal time. Um, because all the food's there. So if a kiddo comes late for breakfast, they don't have to go all the way to the kitchen and have them make them a new one because they're just able to join the group. Um, again, it really is a time saving when, when there's short staffing, which is constantly a problem um, now with ch in childcare um, centers. It really helps increase uh, communication with parents about the, the family style um, dining process. When a parent comes in to pick up a kid and if it happens to be at mealtime, they're able to actually see that in action. So I remember my oldest son just turned 21 uh, this, this last week. So it's been a, kind of a long time since I've had little kids, but um, I worked at a school district for 13 years and so we had child care, um, child cares in our high schools. So I remember doing an audit, um, a CACFP audit at the, at the child care and the kiddos are, were doing family style dining and they were serving themselves and then after the meal they would take their bib and they would get up and put it in the little bin. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I'm not giving my kid enough credit for all the things that he likely can do. And so it really is, especially for new parents, an opportunity for them to see it live and in action and is really cool. Um, of course, it's research-based and it's classroom tested. Um, through this project, they can receive uh, training care credits through their childcare licensing program. So that's a big benefit. And then they can also learn a lot of different strategies um, to overcome some of the perceived barriers, and they might have to, might have to talk their director or their food service person 
into getting over some of those barriers. But really, um, in the child care centers that we worked with, um, once they started it, I, I wasn't aware of any, anybody that actually quit because it was too hard. It was well worth it. Um, and then again, the positive lifelong feeding strategies that the kiddos learn from that process. So we were involved with, the re with research in addition to the team nutrition project that helped with the nutrition education resources. Um, and so our intervention um, was a 16-week intervention, um, again, with the seven lessons that I talked about. Um, so we worked with nine coaches across eight different childcare sites. Um, that included 17 teachers, um, and it just depended on how many two to five classrooms they had. So that's why it differed. You know, we had eight sites with eight administrators, and then depending on the number of kiddos, or the number of classrooms, um, it varied per site. And then 77% uh, of the children age, age three through five in the program participated in the CACFP program. So most of the sites participated in the CACFP program. Program as part of their child care center. Um, and then early care and education administrators and teachers, they completed one lesson per week, um, like I mentioned, followed by a coaching session after they practiced for each of those seven modules. So the findings um, were really that the Eat Family Style intervention um, helped to support nutritional and developmental outcomes for the kiddos. So, like Katie mentioned, they're using those fine motor skills and even some large motor skills. Um, when they're doing putting away and helping clean up and things like that um, and they really saw value to that I would say some of the perceptions going in where it was just that it was going to be so messy and that they weren't sure if kids could do it and I think the kids surprised a lot some of the teachers some of the teachers were right on board with it but some of them were like hmm I'm gonna have to see this working um, and so they also really um, like the positive mealtime environment that was generated from the project as well as the um, uh, in-service hours that we provided to them. So uh, they, most teachers reported successful implementation and then really they learned the most. Our research showed through that responsive feeding. So in their early childhood education um, program, they did not learn a lot about responsive feeding. They learned maybe stuff about CACFP and other, other um, child care regulations, but not necessarily a lot about responsive feeding. So that was a new component. Um, and then they all really reported that they were going to continue to use the program and the resources that they had um, gained from participating um, in the and utilizing those practices from Eat Family Style. And then Katie and I did upload a lot of these resources into the app. Um, and the full research article that was published in SNEB is also up there as well. Um, and then the conclusions and implications for the research is that Eat Family Style was valued by all of its stakeholders for its um, effectiveness and the positive impact, as well as the nu nutritional outcomes for the kiddos. Um, and then they, stakeholders reported they valued the um, Family Style Dining Supply Incentive, so that was part of the research project. We were able to provide them with the little pictures some of the bowls, the tongs, a lot of the things that you would need to start that maybe you're just not sure what you need um, until you get into it. And so we were able to provide that to them as well as coaching and then some training um, and support for administrators as well as teachers. Um, so then after the initial project was developed, then they did a small pilot to help do some formative research for another family uh, child care home provider component of this, which is still kind of being worked on. Um, and that really focused on the um, 
perspe the perspective of um, responsive feeding for the childcare home. So some of the motivators for folks to do this was um, they wanted to do what was best for kids. Um, that's why they decided to participate. And then they also heard from other people, you know, word of mouth is best, that they had done this, this worked well. Um, again, the perceived challenges for the adoption is that um, having infants and older children together at mealtime was kind of stressful to figure out how they were gonna encourage some kids to start this and then they had babies. And um, again, during mealtime, that provider oftentimes has multiple roles. So they might, she might not just have time to sit down and do family style traditional meal time. And then a lack of space for the provider to sit with the kids. So like in this picture, you can see they're at just a child sized table um, where they're eating and so there's like not a, a really great place for the provider to sit down and join them. Um, and then also again, the mess, because childcare providers have home centers and so they, that's their home that the kiddos are making messes in. Results um, so show that the organizational structure of the program um, implementation for the responsive feeding was successful. Um, and it did support improvement in child's dietary intake and then currently there's programming and policy efforts should consider um, the setting and organizational factors uh, for dietary, um, promoting healthy dietary needs. And so really uh, the leader guide and some of those resources are being modified to be used with those um, home providers. So this is um, now back to our child care chair centers. So this is really what our educators that participated in the, in the project and have continually participated in the project. This is the things that they're saying. Um, so we have our days, but most of the time it's not crazy. They sit, they eat, we talk to each other, and then we all help clean up. And then we go upstairs and it's a lot less chaotic during lunchtime. I used to dread going downstairs for lunchtime and now I don't. Uh, and so that, that gives, it's nice when lunchtime's not chaotic with kids. And sometimes um, when you have a lot of picky kids and the, the things that's offered are not in line with what the kids like, it can be stressful. Um, also, we know that at the end of the Eat Family Style program, um, we, they saw the kids building skills. So um, this provider says that they saw the kids trying to pour milk and then see if they could do it on their own. And they did, they were able to. And then the expression on the child's face was just a miracle. So really those skills, and then they are um, more confident with themselves in other areas too, beyond just at mealtime. Uh, and so really that provider, provider modeling healthy eating practices is so important. And we know that oftentimes with, with the way that the world is now and kind of the technology takeover that's happened in homes, um, not all kids do family style dining at home with their families, so a lot of times, Parents might put them at the table with the lunch and maybe an iPad and the kids are eating the iPad and they're not, they're definitely not doing mindful eating. Um, and there maybe isn't a lot of conversation going on. You know, Dora's talking maybe in the video, but that's about it. So this is kind of a new concept, you know, um, to some kids if they haven't, don't have family style dining at home, essentially like just family meals at home. Um, so really one of the best practices that's really embedded in the program is to sit and eat the same foods as the children. And this sometimes was a kind of a departure from the practices of the child care center. So um, at one of the child care centers, they were not currently paying for the staff to eat with the kids and they were going to McDonald's. Then they would sometimes come back towards the end of lunch and they would sit down with the kids and eat their McDonald's while the other kid, the kids were eating like the child care food. 
And so that isn't a very um, good modeling practice. Uh, a, because McDonald's isn't always the healthiest. They do have healthy choices. But B, it sort of devalues sort of the food that the kids had to eat and that <laughs> they were stuck eating that and it wasn't even good enough for the teacher to eat. So um, that was a kind of a, a discussion we had with the, with the child care um, owner and to see if they could there's not a lot of pay that the child care providers get when they work in a child care center oftentimes. And so this was sort of an extra benefit to have free meals at, at work with the kids and get to eat with them. They had to work out breaks differently, but um, it was a really great way to think through some of those problems. Um, because then they were able to be there to gently encourage kids to try new foods um, and then use specific positive description about the foods offered as well as being really enthusiastic about food. Because we all know if somebody's like, oh, blueberries. <laughs> or if somebody's like, oh my gosh, blueberries, yay! That matters, that all matters at the end of the day. Um, and then this is an example of a child care provider using all of the skills, and I think it's gonna take me out. Yeah. That we just talked about. <coughs> Let's take a look at some strategies to help adults be effective role models to encourage children to eat healthy. Sit at the table with the children while they are eating. This has many advantages. You can model appropriate table manners. Great job taking vegetables. What's your favorite part? You can help motor development by teaching children to serve themselves by practicing scooping and pouring. Okay, can I help you scoop it? You can monitor them to ensure their safety and prevent choking hazards. It also gives you an opportunity to model healthy eating, have good conversations, and above all, make mealtime a pleasant experience for everyone. Oh, look at this big piece of broccoli. What does this one make it? Oh, you have a bigger piece. Eat the same foods as the children during mealtimes. This is important because when children see you eating healthy foods such as fruits, vegetables, milk, they'll be more likely to eat them too. Eat the food at least twice in front of the children to encourage them to try new healthier foods. Mm. This pineapple is so juicy and sweet. What's sweet? Hot but cool. And it's fresh. Camel pineapples. Yes, yummy. It's because it's sweet, I think that's why we eat a lot of it. Sweet and it's juicy, especially when it's hot out. We like stuff that's juicy. Physically prompt children to try the foods. Gently move the bowl of the food towards the child and ask them if they would like to try it. Look at these colorful vegetables. What kind of vegetables do you see in there? They look so tasty. Would you like some? Okay. Be positive. Sometimes adult role models don't like certain foods, but 
it is still important to maintain a positive attitude about healthy foods and trying new foods because the kids are watching you and will mimic you. I better drink some milk because it will keep my muscles so strong that you'll pick up the whole school. Yes. Maybe tomorrow I'll come in, I'll be taller because I drink milk. Yeah, then you'll be stronger, maybe. I already drink almond. Provide repeated exposure to a variety of foods. Research has shown that children will eventually try a food after they have had 8 to 10 opportunities to experience the food. So keep offering children a variety of foods and don't give up if they don't try it the first time. Who's tried their green beans and would like more green beans? Me, me, me. Would you take some and pass them to your friends? Your friends would like some more too. So what, I'm, I'm not going to put Slido up, but what, um, what did you see in the video, what was a practice that you um, noticed that was um, something that you would recommend somebody use in a child care setting um, to encourage kids to try new foods? Was there anything in particular that you thought the teacher did really well? Positive about the foods? Yeah, you go ahead. She offered it. She kept, she kept positively and then she offered it. Would you like to try it? Uh huh. And we saw the child said yes. Yeah, you saw a lot of verbal prompting that she would be like, ooh, pineapple's juicy. And then the kid's like, oh, can I have some? I mean, it's just those really positive comments. And it was not a, a lot of it's earth shattering, but if you do that over time enough, then, and then also there's, um, I remember when I would go into child care centers, sometimes the parents are like, how do you get the kids to eat green beans? And it really is that, the power of positive peer pressure um, that they get to hear, hear and see from, their, from the other kiddos as well as the staff. So she did a really, a really good job with that. Um, so uh, the peer modeling, uh, hold on, yeah. So peer modeling is um, the next, step in the um, family style dining um, window of um, training components and it really is an effective strategy um, and so we saw the teacher modeling but now the peers are really um, positively engaged in doing some of that as well and we know that if you have if you have a mixed group of like three three and four year olds um, a lot of times those four-year-olds really know what they're doing, and so um, you, you set the four-year-olds closer to you right after the teacher, someone that's really positive, um, and then they, they're taking it, and really, and I don't know if you've read research about that, but really that first kid, it matters what, sort of what they do. Um, oftentimes, everyone sort of follows in line. So if you have that like eating champion, um, someone that's willing to at least put food on their plate and try it, that's really helpful. Um, they also like to, um, talk about the foods with each other as well. And, and, and like you heard in the video, the kiddos talked about um, how that helped them grow and helped their development. 
um, as well. Uh, girl peer models are a little bit more effective than boys, says the research, um, as well as uh, food acceptance. And so that's something else that we have within the curriculum that we talk about and encourage um, them to know that to potentially about boys um, and versus girls um, as well. So um, here's some uh, steps that when we think about peer modeling that are really important. Um, we don't want to pressure kids. Um, and, we, and so we don't, if we have a kiddo in the classroom that's being like, Bobby, come on, have some, it's okay. You know, like really trying to reframe that and just like encourage, gently encourage, lightly encourage kiddos to do that. Um, and then encourage children to explore new foods using all of their senses, which we're gonna try here in, a, in this room in a little bit. Um, because sometimes when we're, when we're afraid of trying a new food, sometimes touching it first, then looking at it closely, then smelling it, and when you go through all those progressions of those practices, that's really been a found to be effective in actually getting kids to try and like the new foods. Um, and then also reminding kids that our tastes change, just because when you tried this when you were three, maybe now that you're four, you'll like it better. Um, again, letting kids put as much as they want on their plate, that's that responsive feeding, so if they want to try one pear dice, that's okay. Um, and then praising kids, um, for trying a new food but not cleaning their pl plate. So really the attitude about, about trying, um, trying new foods. All right, let's do a little bit of a learning check. Let's see if we can get the technology to always just be on my side. the quiz and then we're going to present it. Alright, how does that look? Not yet. Okay, this is a quiz, so we're going to we're going to um, have you start this. You'll have to join here. Um, and this is actually just it, it's a quiz that will someone will win. So that's exciting. Um, if you're into that kind of thing. Um, but obviously no pressure, we'll just kind of go over, um, over the results here. So this is the first question. Um, select a positive role modeling strategy shared. everyone who joined. So that's the question and then you can answer that. I don't know why it's doing that. Um, so we have, oops, what's it doing? We had about, uh, I don't know. <laughs> okay. So we had about 8% of you tell children do, do as you say, not as, as you do. Um, as a, as a uh, role modeling strategy, and then, but 92% demonstrated how to pour the milk um, up to the fill line on their own glass, so that's correct. Um, those are good, good strategies. Um, again, we talked about how you don't want to discourage foods or actually do it all for them. Um, if you have a child with like a disability or that's having a really difficult time, I don't know if you picked it up in the video previously, but you'll see it in the next video. 
Um, it's called hand over hand support, where the, where the kiddo picks up the spoon first or picks up the pitcher first, and then the teacher puts their hand on, on top of the child's hand and they do it together jointly. Um, so that's one of the strategies that we can use. All right. Perfect. So um, the third component of Eat Family Style Dining is sensory exploration. So this is one of my favorite things in getting to do actual activities with the kiddos. Um, we, we did a little pre-post data collection. We had kids look at pictures of fruits and vegetables before we started the intervention to see um, if they knew what um, a pear looked like. Because a lot of times, um, kids know what they look like cut up, but not what they look like when they come off the tree or you know, from the grocery store necessarily. Um, and so this is actually something that I saw when I worked in a public school district. Kids in elementary school had a hard time identifying what a peach looked like whole before it turned into diced peaches. Um, and so starting at a younger age, helping kids um, is really important. Um, so it, again, it's, an, it's a fun way to expose kids to new foods and everyone's doing it and they're all trying it and they're seeing it using those five senses. Um, really can help kids explore and decrease uh, their fear of new food. Um, we know that research says about 75 to 80% of kids have some sort of neophobia. Um, my husband was an only child. His parents didn't really encourage him to try new foods. If he, if he tried something and didn't like it, they would just make him something else. So when I met him in college, he hadn't even tried ranch dressing and he had still kind of that fear of new food. And so you really do have to practice learning to try new things. Um, and then the other really great thing about using sensory exploration is when we talk, when you talk about looking at something, smelling it, there's a lot of different words that helps expand their vocabulary as well. So we are going to move into our mindful eating and sensory exploration. So everyone should have oranges on their table. If you want to grab an orange, or it's not an orange, they're, they're um, clementines. Um, if you want to grab a clementine and a napkin, we will do that. Yeah, and if you don't have one at your direct table, someone can share with you. Yeah, awesome. Everybody have their their clementine. And I might just add while people are passing around their fruit that these bowls that are on the table in front of you are actually like the perfect size family style dining bowl that we would use in a childcare setting. So they're pretty small. This is essentially a large cereal bowl to adult or for not even maybe large. A, they're a large cereal bowl, but that's what we use for family style dining. So if you want to um, just make sure you have your have your clementine at the ready but really again this little activity is going to use both sensory and mindfulness so we know that it's important um, for us to eat eat well for our health but what about how we eat um, do we think about our food while we're eating or too often are we distracted by are we driving when we're eating are we using our computer reading a book are we watching tv are we on our, our social media so observing mindfulness when we eat allows us to take time to actively use our senses to see, smell, feel, and taste while we eat. And that also helps us cue into our um, feelings of hunger and fullness. And so making sure that we're eating when we're hungry and stopping when we're full. Um, so our first sense that we're going to use is sight. Um, so we're going we're gonna to look at it. 
Um, you can admire the color, the shape, and the texture of the fruit. If you were doing this with kids, you would ask the kiddos, and the, the instructions for this uh, mindfulness activity is also uploaded to the website in, in the, for this session. Um, I wish I could take credit for developing this, but I think it's University of Washington Extension has developed this. Um, so you would ask them, what do they see? Um, and then oranges or clementines grow on trees in warm climates. So I'm going to have you close your eyes and imagine where your orange or clementine was grown. Can you feel the warm sun where that clementine was grown? Can you see all the fruit on the trees? OK, you can open your eyes. Um, and you can smell your orange or the clementine. Does it smell just, you know, you haven't really done anything to it? So probably not a whole lot. Now you can roll it around um, on the table or firmly in between your hands and see if you can release some of that, that smell in the peel. Does it smell any more now that you've kind of rolled it around a little bit? Maybe or maybe not. Now start peeling it. Can you smell things now that is, has the smell changed? Yeah. Stronger, right? And I know a lot of times when you're at the grocery store, we're, we're smelling the fruit, right, to see if it's good. I don't even know if that's like a literal thing that, that really works, but I do it. And I see a lot of other people do it too. Um, So it's, I think it's um, the University of Washington Extension, but it's in, it's in the handouts with this session. I uploaded it. Um, but yeah, the, there's a whole, the whole guide is in there. Um, so now touch, touch the um, fruit. Um, how does the peel feel versus the fleshy portion? The, the fleshy portion feels soft. How does the peel feel? Rough, smooth. Skinny, yeah. Leathery. Leathery, yep, that's a great. If you separate a couple of the segments, how does that then change, like break it in half? How does that feel? Probably sticky now. <laughs> a little bit, now it's getting messier. Um, but also you can examine the inner structure too. It looks different when you open it up, right? There's lots of little tiny little juice-filled sacks in there now. And you also have different colors, too, with, with the um, clementine. You can have the white inside the peel versus the orange outside. So you can show that to the kids. Or not white, but lighter orange. All right, now um, you, we're going to taste it. So place a segment in your mouth and very slowly, um, you can close your eyes if you want, but you don't have to, and then just bite down. But pay attention to how the juice bursts out of the little um, fleshy parts into your mouth and then fills your mouth with that orangey flavor. Chew slowly and experience the texture differences from like the membrane edge to the middle part.
How is it different than drinking a glass of orange juice, eating the orange? What's, what's different between when you're eating this orange versus if you have juice? Lots more texture, which is what? Yay! Yes. We're, and then so you're also consuming a lot of calories really quickly. So it's really easy to, when you're drinking juice, right? So the fiber helps us to also feel full. So talking to the kiddos about that too, um, maybe not a three-year-old, but you know they, they can ex uh, understand that like juice doesn't necessarily make you feel full, but eating an orange can. Um, uh, so yes, those are great, great things. Um, and then as you chew slowly, pretend this is the last orange on earth and it's all yours and how grateful you are to have that. So that's kind of the end of the sensory piece of the activity, but it really helps us to think about um, the importance of taking time to enjoy our food. I know I've done this activity with an M&M, but that's not a really a great modeling practice. It just, it has you, it has you, it helps you think about how long you can enjoy an M&M, you know, in theory, and be more mindful about your eating. But I really like this, um, this activity because it was, it highlights a healthier food. And then there are really a lot of sensory um, components to eating a, a cutie as well. Um, it, has a, it has a good smell. I mean, if you, you couldn't really do this with an apple and have quite the same outcome, but um, it helps you, the mindfulness component helps you appreciate ordinary foods. Um, and then the difference between like the two forms, um, and again, and helping people think about um, a mindful eating approach. So um, moving back into the curriculum. Um, so really, again, thinking about that self-regulation and really trying to teach kids that um, from early on. A lot of parents oftentimes when you know, I, being in childcare centers, um, they were really worried about the amount of food that their kids were eating. And so we often explained that um, a kid's stomach is really, you know, like two fists only. So we don't need to give them as much food as an adult because their stomachs are very small. Um, and so that effective role modeling um, that really helps kids think about when they're full or hungry um, is really important for them to think about. Kids naturally have that regulation when they're younger, but as they get older, we, we push them to override those um, kind of natural um, cues. And so then, and I worked in, the, in a school meal program for uh, 13 years, so I hate to say that, but school meal program, you know, or school lunchtime, not even if you're not even eating school lunch, if you're bringing your sack lunch, you have 30 minutes to eat. And, Da, 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 da. but that helps override some of those foundational principles that kids have. Um, so really, we, within this component, we really help kids to talk about, um, if, are you hungry? Do you have a hungry feeling in your stomach? What does that sound like? What does that feel like? Um, and then help parents to understand that as well, that kids should stop eating when they're full, and really to respect that. Um, so one of the activities that we also uploaded to the website is this owl owl activity where we had the kids um, take the owl and we said pretend that the owl hasn't eaten anything so color in the stomach to represent you know the owl's fullness level um, so this is obviously after after that activity also this was um, a lot of the kids filled it up right away so we talked to them about like when we're when we're um, literally hungry there wouldn't be any anything in their stomach and so then we did this activity a couple more times just to get them thinking about what that looks like on the owl as well as what, what, how they feel and, and how, how it is in their own bodies. Um, and so then they also then colored in 
afterward if they hadn't already filled out the owl stomach. All right, here we're on the next video. Let's see. Children learn from watching adults. You can serve as a role model to support children's self-regulation of eating. Adults can talk about their own feelings of hunger as they're eating with children. What do you I'm need to use full. it for? Your tummy's full? How do you know your tummy's full? I ate too much. Well, you know what I do, Reed, when my tummy's full? I just take my plate and I go, I push it away. And I say, my tummy is full. I think I'm all done. So if your tummy's full, you can do that too. Just push it away. That feels better. Does that feel better? Good. Oh, friends, you know what? My tummy is getting so full. Everyone's tummy is getting full. Is everyone's tummy getting full? How do you know you're full? Because I ate too much. You know what? I know that I'm full because my tummy is telling me that I'm full. And I gave my body what it needs, and now I'm going to be all done. Me too. Olivia, you push your plate away and your tummy's full too? Your tummy is full too? Oh, then you know what? Let's just push our plates away. And our bodies are telling us that we're full. By practicing these strategies, you can support children's self-regulation of eating. video she didn't really have to you know prompt them too much about being full but really just um, she kind of modeled that behavior and then the one little boy caught on and then it just you know if you've worked with preschool children you know <laughs> that's kind of how it works um, I didn't I didn't learn that soon enough with my oldest child that you can like just um, Say the say the right things all the time, and then they'll start doing them. So a lot of a lot of that good again with parent modeling, if they can see that, I think that's really nice. Um, another one of the things that we did to um, practice self-regulation with the kids is we um, tried to get as much as we could with the family-style dining practices embedded in the play areas and the dramatic play. So they had placemats and other things that they could use within their dramatic play area, and they could cook with their friends and they could sit at the table and they could make sure that they were pouring enough or, or they were stopping when they were full um, during their dramatic play and then the teachers would model some of that language with the peers and then they would do that during their playtime. And so that was something that another way to prompt or pre-teach kiddos um, to some of the vocabulary really, but also some of the practices. Um, we also know that um, there's a lot of cultural feeding responsiveness that we need to consider in a child care center. Um, feeding practices are viewed very differently among different cultures. Um, and so those are very deeply rooted in those um, cultural beliefs, norms, and socializations and having to respect that. So if a, um, a parent asks that, you know, we do this or that, then having those conversations about, you know, why we're doing this in the childcare and how we can sort of meet in the middle um, to make sure that we're being responsive to the kids' needs, but also to those cultural preferences. Um, 
Some traditional practices are perceived favorably in one culture, but, but uh, may be considered good for the child. So for example, um, when I worked with our childcare um, centers, um, we did some, um, in, in the public school district I work with, we had um, home visitors would go in and they would be like, do you know these families? Um, some of the Latino families are giving their kids coffee and like the teachers were freaking out. And so we would talk about how that's a cultural practice and you know, here are the, here's the like nutrition content of it. It's not that bad. It's minimal, et cetera. They're just kind of having this realization that you shouldn't freak out about a cultural practice before you know more about what's happening and just being, again, responsive to that. Um, again, and then just, you know, meeting that parent where they're at and not, you know, you have, you know certain things, but you don't know everything. So, um, again, just being responsive again to those whatever preferences and having, and then also you still have to meet CACFP regulations. So again, there's a lot of accommodations that have to be considered. Um, children serve themselves. This is uh, a really a cool part of this project, or I mean, family style dining in general, um, is really that they're seeing the kids gain some of those skills. So we know that when children serve themselves at mealtime, they develop that independence, um, that self-esteem, self and it boosts their confidence, really. Um, they develop social skills and table manners. You see at the table how they're interacting with each other, um, really led by that teacher discussion. Um, they're also developing language and math skills, sometimes depending on the age of the kid. Um, you know, they're talking about, oh, you need two scoops of that um, to make sure that you're getting enough or you only get one scoop of that um, because some of the things they can have more of, some of the things they can have less of based off the CAC, CACFP math that they did and how many things are at the table. Um, again, and then de developing those fine motor skills which will help them with some of their other, um, so some of their other development in other areas. Okay. So this will be our last video, which is one of my favorite. <laughs> Show me, Gavin. All right, let's try it again. All right, friends, what we're going to do is like how we pour milk at lunchtime. We're going to use one hand to hold the pitcher and then another hand to hold your cup so it doesn't spill all over. Okay. All right, can you put some water into your pitcher? And then you can hold it right here. Paul, can you scoop some sand into the bucket? Yeah. Can you pour it in? Push it all the way down and gently pull it back up and then you can pour it into the bucket. Friends, what we're gonna do is we're going to pass the bowl around like how we do at lunchtime and you're going to scoop out some sand and put it in your bucket. Push our shovel all the way down into the sand. So you and can see she's using that hand over hand with that child. And slowly pour it out. Can you level it out? Like sliding down? Yeah. You can slide it down and then push it back up. 
up and then pour it into the bucket. Wow. So <clears throat> she, they can just continue to do that. But um, that's a good example of how you pre-teach kiddos. Um, so again, if you have kiddos that are new to your classroom or maybe you're starting family style dining from just ground zero, there'll be a lot of pre-teaching you'd wanna do during dramatic play, during outside playtime. Um, and then if you had to make a recommendation, potentially, what meal time might you think would be one of the best ones to start practicing family style dining at? That would be easy. Snack, breakfast even oftentimes has less components or an easy breakfast. So that's one way you can step, you can stepwise into um, doing family style dining. You don't have to just like boom on Monday. We're now doing it three meals a day for the rest of our lives. You can start it at snack for a for a month, get kids practiced up, um, and then this is just an example of physical versus verbal assist. So that hand over hand. Um, you can do that, but obviously the teacher can only do that with one kiddo at a time. Physical supports as children serve themselves, and then you can move into that verbal assist and modeling, and then more verbal assist. Um, and then the less um, assistance is oftentimes needed with older children. Um, and then the um, provide praise and rewards effectively. Um, this is a really important thing for children, um, is that we don't we don't bribe them, oh, eat your vegetables, and you can have your dessert, things like that. Um, food is not used as a reward within child care centers, and then each child is encouraged but not forced to try new foods. Um, so rewards to use instead of food, um, and this was something that was uh, very common, especially like with the, if there, someone was still learning how to potty train as they were giving Jolly Ranchers or things like that. So these, a lot of these conversations came up as we, um, I was actually a coach for this project, um, that we kind of, talked about other non-food rewards, a sticker chart, lots of things. Um, special activities in the classroom, they could all work together to get stickers, to earn extra recess, a favorite book, um, to do some sort of art activity they really enjoyed. Um, high fives are a great example. Um, so other, other things to consider, um, like I just mentioned the non-food things, high fives, hugs, tickles, um, like a swing. Um, those are all positive reinforcements. And then high interest rewards, again, are those activity-based things um, that can, kids love books. Um, I've, I was so amazed at really all age of kids. If you read a book, that's to them, they, they listen and they participate really well. So, um, but depending on your group of kids, they might like songs and music um, or being a helper for a particular child. Um, everybody likes to be the lion leader, et cetera. Those are great um, rewards. And we're gonna skip this one. And I'm gonna skip that. And then the last component of Eat Family Style is the family engagement and positive communication. Um, so with each of the modules came three to four handouts that the um, teachers were able to provide to parents over the course of the week. Um, they all, the families got a letter explaining that we were doing this project and the importance of um, family style dining as well as a responsive feeding um, practices. And so families were able to then hopefully model some of that at home as well. Um, and then we also encourage families to, instead of bringing cupcakes for birthday parties, gave some other options um, for, for ways to celebrate their child at the child care centers. Um, and again, those parent resources were really Im embedded across um, the entire project. Um, and these are just the references that we used to, 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 or that were used as part of the development of the Eat Family Style Dining Project. And this is just my information um, at the Department of Ed. And I will turn it back over to Katie. Thank you. So uh, all the 
information materials that Jesse reviewed can be found on the Institute of Child Nutrition's Child Nutrition Sharing site. And you might be wondering who is the Institute of Child Nutrition. This is an organization that we give funding uh, grants and cooperative agreements to to also support child nutrition programs. They develop uh, trainings, resources, and provide technical assistance. And so they have the child nutrition sharing site, which is a library of materials that are submitted by state agencies, local program operators, and allied um, organizations so that we have this repository of very helpful materials that support our programs. Um, so if you're interested in the child nutrition sharing site, you can scan the QR code there. Um, and you can also access the Family Style Meal Service um, resources that Katie mentioned earlier in this presentation by going to Team Nutrition website. Um, you can scan the QR code here on the screen and you can search for the resource by the audience and you can also order our materials online as well um, for program operators. I, I do need to clarify that only program operators are able to order printed materials for their organization, but the public can download and reprint, copy the materials that are accessed online. Our materials are also offered in Spanish as well. We have a little Spanish toggle button um, on our website that you can click if the website needs to be viewed in Spanish. And if I didn't mention it, everything is free. Um, also, a quick shout out to our USDA Flickr account. It is ex you know, extraordinarily difficult to find free photos that you can um, include in your resources and your trainings and your um, publications. So if you go to the USDA Flickr account, you can see um, photos for the childcare recipes, food portions, that are in the amount of children, uh, portioned for children, um, photos related to infant nutrition, kids cooking, and more. So I encourage you to check those photos out. And lastly, like I said, our website, teamnutrition.usda.gov is up there. You can also visit our Twitter account at Team Nutrition. Um, and if you have any questions about our presentation today, you can email us at teamnutrition.usda.gov. We also have um, an e-newsletter, so um, we will send out an announcement when USDA, when we release our Family Style Meal Service booklet, posters, and PowerPoint presentation. All right, so I'm going to open it up for questions. Um, I believe this session is being recorded, so we'll need you to um, ask your question into the microphone so we can capture it. So if you have a question, if you'll just raise your hand. And then Evelyn here will give you the mic for a question. Hello. Hi. Um, I had a question about uh, how you accommodate for dietary restrictions with the family style meals. Yeah, so we do have, we included that actually in our operator booklet. So that's definitely on our radar. Um, so we do mention throughout, especially for those with like gluten intolerance, and we don't want that cross contact from use of tongs and spoons, um, we do recommend them to pre-plate those meals. Um, and then also any soy bite based milks 
um, are also what we call creditable or allowable in our child and adult care food program. And so that's also mentioned in the operator booklet when it comes out. Sure. Thank you. Nice presentation. Um, that uh, poster about rules for family meals, I think I'm going to download that and put that in my own kitchen uh, about, you know, table manners, etc. But back to uh, more of our issue at hand. Um, I was thinking a little bit about, you know, uh, not pressuring kids to eat, but then also encouraging them. And I think there's a really fine line there that we want to be very cognizant about that um, sometimes that encouragement, no matter how well-intentioned, kids are very perceptive and starts to pressure. So that, that was one area I, I was just giving a little pause to as I saw, but I really enjoyed that. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. Yep. Definitely it's, you know, Ellen Satter's work, um, if you're guru in child nutrition, if anybody's familiar with her work of division of responsibility, um, we do keep that in mind in the development of our resources. Um, and, you know, she's very no pressure and pressure it, we i look at it as a spectrum right on one end it's you need to eat this or else you're not going outside and then there's the other end of okay don't you want to try this so we're trying to find that balance and so thank you for bringing that up do you want to add to that That did come up in coaching is that like the over recommending or over excitement around food. And so um, our coaches did, we had conversations around that. And so like just being very mindful of being positive about the food, but, but not requiring that they try things and, uh, you know, respecting the kids. When you have a really choosy child, sometimes it gets frustrating that they never want to eat anything, but kids eat when they get hungry. So that was you know, kind of our message throughout. Don't worry, they'll eat when they get hungry. Thank you. I had a question about the videos. I really love them. Um, how did you go about making, like how were those kids at a center or how did that work? So yeah, some of, some of the kiddos that were in the center were actually part of our research study, but, um, and I, you couldn't tell at all the times, but we used um, our UNL Child Development um, Center, so kiddos that were into to Child Care Center at our, our UNL site, as well as we had a, have an Educare in Omaha, uh, or in Lincoln, we have one in Omaha too. But we used um, Educare, which those are um, all use those, evidence-based practices all along so they were already doing some of these practices and so it was really easy to just go in and film things because they already had a lot of this in place um, versus some of the research sites that were doing this from the from the beginning and it might have the videos might have not worked out as smoothly so we did sort of use uh, folks that were well practiced in the family style dining ways and it really was quite that was quite the ordeal to, to film the videos yeah <laughs> Hi, yeah, I just had a quick question um, regarding, I guess, the scalability with some of my like pre-K classes are 30, 30 plus students at my elementary schools, and so how you envision me being able to train my teachers how to do this family style, style dining, dining rather at a more of a traditional elementary school than childcare. So you eat in the lunchroom? Uh, I think right? some of them do breakfast in the classroom at the moment. 
Um, and then, yeah, they would do. So they do get, get to do breakfast in the classrooms. Yeah, and I actually have seen family style. So um, I work for the Department of Ed now, and so we, in some of our rural communities, uh, the preschool program, it's not feasible for them to actually eat in their classrooms and so they actually do come to the lunchroom and um they do have like they split up the larger table with with teachers and they have the bowls and the kids pass at, a, at like rectangle lunchroom tables so um it, i think you just have to be cognizant on spacing and things like that obviously if they're at rounds like this it's a lot harder for older kids but um if you're eating breakfast i think that's one of those easier times to start in the classroom um so maybe starting there and then do you have like um, assistant teachers? Some do, some don't, so yeah. So like, yeah, and making sure one of those folks are at each of the tables is, you know, so they can prompt and support and as you get, you know, yeah. But the more the more kids that you have, the more, more, the more uh, grace you have to give yourself when starting. Thank you. Apologies if you said this already. I know you mentioned that you had um, very little attrition um, from the providers as you were working in the curriculum. Have you done any long-term follow-up to see where, where people are at? Um, I know in our one of our centers, they're, they're still doing the family-style meals, but what's gone away is the teacher actually eating with the kids. Um, like She's sitting there, but doesn't actually eat the food. Um, so I was just curious if you've done any long-term follow-up and see if there's any particular aspects that they're dropping or keeping. Yeah, I think with the pandemic, um, you know, a lot of, in Nebraska, the direct health directives uh, with the health departments was that family-style dining stopped completely. And so I know we did lose a lot of that. And then with the pandemic, we know that we had a tremendous turnover in our child care centers, so, um, too. So, yeah, I mean, if we went back, I, I can't imagine, you know, because that was five, six years ago. Um, yeah, I can't imagine that it's going to look exactly the same today. Um, but yeah, and that really is like a, usually a financial implication when the teachers aren't eating with the kids and it really does matter, um, for encouraging kids to, to try things, but the verbal prompting, you know, it's second best if you can't do the actual physical modeling. Thank you all. I think we're at time. You guys are troopers for staying for the entire hour and a half. So thank you so much. Um, Team Nutrition does have a booth. So if you want to have further conversations or have questions, please feel free to visit us. Thank you, guys. There's also a trash can at the front of the room. Oh, yeah.